0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com.
1: Welcome. Um, So my name is Daniel.
0: And I'm Jesse. Jesse,
1: Jellicorse. We've been married for 15 years?
0: 14 and a half years. 14 and a
1: half. We're on our 15th. 15th. That's what happens when you're married for that long, I guess. Um, December 30th, we, it will be 15 years.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: we have three kids. Their names are the uh, youngest. Oh, There's we, we got picture. some pictures up here. There we are. So if you see those little rugrats running around, this is our little family. Um, that was taken this Christmas in the back of my pickup truck on an iPhone. So well, that's a good family photo there. Um, no, we. Um, we, we've been married for 15 years, and we have these three kids. That's Jack up there, June, Phoebe. Um, they are a lot to handle. They run around up here, as you can see during worship. And, um, you know, we wanted to share a little bit this morning about early marriage, also kind of the transition from singleness into marriage.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the closest thing we're qualified for. Yeah. Uh, Early marriage, early parenting, but what we're really excited about with this series and to be able to speak on in the family series is that we believe that kingdom culture is family culture, Mm -hmm. and that the best way that the way that the Lord desires to orchestrate a kingdom revolution in this world is through family. Now, the awesome thing about this church body is that there's a diversity of seasons. We have. Teenagers who are just starting to look around and get sweaty-palmed when they see each other, and young adults who are looking for a mate, and young marriages, people with children, divorcees, widows, widowers, people called to singleness, we have the gamut here, but one thing that is true for anybody in this room is that We are in the Father's house, and His desire is for us to be in relationship with Him and to be in right family relationship with other people. And when you look out the door, when you look at the world, there is a certain passivity, there is a certain fear and shame around family, and it results in this kind of a passive, unhealthy family culture. But there is something different about when you step into the Father's house. That we can leave the shame at the door like Craig was singing, and that we can accept wholeness and union with the Father, which then in turn teaches us how to live a life worth laying down for other, how to live in family culture mm-hmm. no matter what season that we're each called to be in. So that's what we're excited to talk about today.
1: Yeah, and I, I hope that everybody can um, that they can find themselves in this message, you know, like Jesse's saying, even if you're a teen, if you're even if you're a widower, or you, you've decided you're not going to get married. It's it's too late in life to get married for you. We're all called to family, and we all have a place within family. And so I, I think that um, you know hopefully there'll be some good nuggets from what we're sharing today. Uh, but but I think as we start, I'd love to you know talk about kind of as a as a whole. We are looking at sort of. Family and the transition into uh, from singleness to family as a journey that you take with Jesus and with each other, and I I, uh, I think it's important to share some of our journey. Um, you know, when we first met, we were you know just kids. We were uh, we didn't really you know start dating when we first met and. Um, you know, it was, it was like this awkward uh, back and forth for a little while, and then we started dating, and one of the things that really attracted me to Jesse was, well, first she was... I found her smoking hot. So that's, that was first and foremost. Uh, yeah, I still do. Thanks. Number two... Um, she was just really this creative, free spirit uh, that was attracted to me. Uh, just you know, just outgoing, funny, and that was kind of what caused me to first take notice of her. I think the other thing um, that we realized uh, together is that we we had a bunch of like maybe some brokenness or some areas of maturity immaturity when we first started dating that over the course of our early marriage, we, it became, you know, clear to us. And one of the things that I've seen Jesse progress in from the time we first started dating to where she is now is that she has become so much more confident in leading other people, in her career, in, in being an expert in things, and directing people, and being able to challenge people. And that's, that's really not that really wasn't what she was like when we first started dating. And, and so I think it's important to remember, like, we're on this journey with the Lord, mm-hmm. and you get to do that with another person, and you get to watch when they are submitted to Jesus, how that evolves over time.
0: Yeah. Can you show a picture of young Daniel and Jesse? Daniel with hair?
1: There you go. Us. There we go. Back when I had hair.
0: That was my 21st birthday. It was
1: actually a peer too. It was, it was not just right here. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, we met pretty young, but I remember the first thing that really drew me to Daniel was, um, and some people in this room have seen this, and some people knew him back then, but he is an intense and very authentic worshiper. And is there anything more attractive than a man with a guitar? I mean, <laughs> except maybe a man with a baby that's really attractive too. But I loved watching his authenticity when he would worship and he would cry out and pour out his heart to the Lord. I remember I would sit and he would be singing out and he'd be literally physically crying. And there's this tenderness, but then he would put the guitar down and he had had this like swagger, this walk about him. (laughs) Um, and I've just loved seeing that tenderness start to unfold more and more in his relationship with his friends, with his family, with his children. So that's a part of the process that Daniel's talking about, is what a beautiful gift it is to not only be an observer, but to be a tool of refinement mm-hmm. and the expedition of the true self yeah. that is within each person.
1: So, so we're, we're, we're talking about kind of our own journey a little bit, but I think... What we're trying to relate here is that, um, you know, when you start off in this dating relationship, you're, you're this kind of mixture of like, hopefully you, you know the Lord and you're on the journey with Him, but you've got some areas of brokenness. And what we're going to talk about today is how you, how you have uh, that transition into having a great marriage, especially in your early marriage it starts off with wholeness in Jesus, yeah. becoming a whole person. And, and so, um, you know, the first thing I think is, that's important to know is that marriage will not make you a whole person. Uh, the purpose of marriage is, is not to complete you. I know you guys have heard, uh, if you guys watch that. complete me. Yeah, you, you complete me. No. That, marriage will not complete you. If, you, if that is your expectation, Uh, when you get into marriage, you're going to realize that there's a lot of stuff that you're going to have to work on yourself. And so, um, I want to read a, a scripture here from Genesis. So, God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. You know, separately, male and female are whole. We're made in His image. And, you know, God developed people as whole beings, but together we fo- more fully represent who He is. And, and that's really… we're supposed to be image bearers on this earth. Well, marriage is, a, is the perfect union of being an image bearer of God. And it's, it's a situation where two distinct sets of callings, personalities, giftings, Bodies, perspectives, that when they're in union, they more fully represent who God is. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the truth is that nobody comes into a marriage perfect. No one will leave this world perfect. And wholeness is not about perfection. Wholeness is about the long-term dedication to allowing Jesus to put a spotlight on your heart and for heart health, for a complete dedication, lifelong dedication to his transformation in your lives. Mm-hmm. And when you're an individual, for example, we're speaking mostly specifically to singles who are looking to get married. The greatest gift that you can give your spouse is a whole version of who you are. When you come into marriage, and you hear this a lot from the world, like, I just met that person, they complete me, I need somebody, I'm really bad at folding laundry, I just need someone to do laundry, like, this is not a healthy way to enter into a lifelong covenant. The most wonderful thing you can do is to say, I, with the person of Jesus, am dedicated to being the most refined and healthy person I can possibly be because that is the greatest gift you can give to your potential future spouse.
1: Yeah, so we we came up with a little checklist, okay? We're going to call it the wholeness checklist. Um, This is by no means comprehensive, so you can add to it. Feel free to take away from it. We're not going to trademark this. You can use it and send it around. But um, we just were thinking about, like, you know, when you're single, what are the areas that that you really want to develop, you know, in your singleness that are going to help prepare you for marriage. And so, you know, I think there's some some interesting things that we kind of came up with, and we have. We actually found Scripture references for all these, but if you want those, we can send them to you afterwards. We didn't want to clutter up the, uh, the page here, but you know, men, this is a big one for men, if, if you want to attract your future dream woman, and maybe she wants to be a stay-at-home mom for a little while, get a job,
0: <laughs>
1: develop your work life. <laughs> Okay, this is not this is not complicated. <laughs> Develop your ambition and career. That's important. Become the your, your, the dream man. Um, physical health, you know, that's important for long life. It's also nice to look good and be in shape. Um, emotional mental health. Don't be a basket case. I'm not gonna address that Very from gentle. the ladies' standpoint, but I will address it for the men's standpoint. You know, have it, work on yourself with Jesus. Like, if your emotions are up and down, you know, that's not the way God created us to be. That's not the way heaven is thinking right now. If you're constantly depressed, if you're dealing with a, a ton of emotional baggage from your past or your history or whatever it is, work on that stuff. You know, we're called to wholeness. There's, there's, a, there's an open door we can always press into Jesus, and it will help. You get married because you will be an attractive person when you are a healthy person. Um, Become financially disciplined, you know? Learn how to get out of debt. Learn how to tithe. These are things that that are good not just in, in life as a whole, but they're great when you get married because you have financial discipline. You can lead your household men and women together around your finances, and that's really important. Attractiveness, okay? I'm not talking about, um, you know, glamour or style or dressing in fancy clothes. I think the, the Scripture verse for this is 1 Timothy 2.9. It, it, it talks about appropriateness, right? The, uh, the, the other one is uh, having a sense of propriety is in that verse. What does that mean? proper, right? Propriety proper. It just means understanding the situation that you're in and knowing how to present yourself, okay? If you're out on a a football field or a a baseball field or you're playing sports, it's okay to wear gym shorts. When you're in church or you're in a business meeting, it's not, right? Everybody knows that. The problem is 17-year-old men don't know it, usually. Right? Uh, and and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm gonna speak for myself, right? Like, it was okay for me to wear a T-shirt wherever I went. It was okay for me to wear just, you know, kind of not shower and kind of stink a little bit and not trim my beard or whatever. So um, if you want to find a mate, well, be attractive. Learn how to be attractive. And really learn how to be appropriate in, in, in certain situations. Do you have anything to add to that? Mm-hmm. You're very attractive, uh, thank, so.
0: Thanks. I heard that earlier. Appreciate it. <laughs> Words of affirmation. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Do you have anything to add?
0: Uh, no, I think you got it. Okay. Hygiene. Hygiene's important. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, I, think, I think this other one is, is something that is, is a value to, to us. It's a value to our church. I think it's really important, this commitment to community. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why is... Part of that, how that plays out is, well, what happens when you, when you have conflict in community? Right? It's, it's, you know, do you just go and say, well, you guys pound sand, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm not going to be a part of this community anymore. Well, that's not going to prepare you for marriage very well. How's that going to work out when you get married and you have conflict with your wife or your husband? Develop those skills now in your community. If you're single, it's a great place to practice it. Learn how to forgive. Learn how to let things go. Learn how to, to reconcile when someone has offended you. Learn how to seek that out. Learn how to correct other people with gentleness when you feel wronged. Like Have those skills developed now, because they'll serve you well when you get married. Um, I think commitment to service is really important, because you're going to do, be doing a lot of serving in your marriage. If you don't learn how to serve, you're not going to have a great marriage. You've got to be able to serve your spouse, and, and there's a, got to be a mutual commitment to that in marriage. Um, your personal walk with the Lord, and this is really just the overarching thing of wholeness is that's, that's how we get whole, is that, that daily interaction and connection to the Father. And then, you know, sexual purity, it's, it's a, uh, you know, this, this area is an area that you only have uh, really the ability to, ve- to develop that as a gift to your spouse now in singleness. It's a great gift that you get to give, which is you're sexually pure, right? And if, you ha- if you've already transgressed that, that's okay. God forgives. But develop that now. Develop that walk of sexual, uh, sexual wholeness, sexual purity. And then I think finally, um, you know, calling and ambitions on your life. You ever met somebody who has zero ambition? I mean, how attractive is that? How does, are you really, are people really attracted to somebody who goes, Yeah, just you know, my whole life, I just want to do no, almost nothing, right? Like that's not. <laughs> That, that doesn't just draw you in and just make you interested in that person, right? So, hey, guys, <coughs> ladies, develop a calling. Develop your ambition. Like, have, have a desire. Have a drive. Um, I think a lot of times men, especially, and I can just speak for myself, um, you know, they, they're, you're sort of, you're, you're trying to meet women and, and all these things, and I find a lot of times that guys will you know, put this overemphasis on having the whole mission be about the girl. Mm -hmm. And I think what the girl really wants is to be on mission with you, right? She wants to be drawn into the things that you're passionate about, and she wants to connect with you on the things that you're driving towards. So have an ambition. Have a calling. Have a drive.
0: Yeah. That 100% goes for male and female. You know, the truth is that the Lord, it's easy in singlehood to make marriage the prize, but marriage isn't the prize. Marriage is a wonderful way to partner with somebody in search of the prize, and the prize is a life of Jesus. So when one person has their eyes fixed on the person of Jesus, and they're running for them, and then they're continually submitting to these areas of wholeness, then ideally, you're going to bump into somebody else who's also running after Jesus. But if you're two puddle ducks just sitting there waiting for somebody else to find you, it's not going to happen, and the person (laughs) that finds you is probably not the person you're going to want to be married to, right? Because this is the beginning. And the fruit of this is then this union, and two together on this union can conquer much more than one on their own. And then from that union, oftentimes, and the way it's designed is the reproduction, yeah. right?
1: Oftentimes. Oftentimes. Yes. Um, that, that usually happens.
0: <clears throat> going back to so, notes.
1: So, so, <laughs> yes, we're not going to get into reproductive techniques today. Just want to let Ask you know that, Steve so and Brenda you, can, later. you can breathe a sigh of relief. We're not going to do that. Um, yes, this is going to be PG. So I think as we were talking through this and preparing for this, we, you know, something just kind of kept coming up, which was this, this idea of become the blank you would want your ideal blank to be attracted to. Um, become the dream man, you would want your ideal dream woman to be attracted to, right? That's really the, the premise of what we're saying here. Wholeness makes you attractive. It makes you, but it, it makes you attractive because we become like Jesus, and He is attractive, right? He is irresistible, in fact. And that's what we're talking about, is as you're on that journey, you're preparing yourself To be married, you're preparing yourself to be the dream man that your dream girl wants, and I think that's that's the goal. Don't don't make your life about finding that spouse. Make your life about finding Jesus, and on that journey, you're gonna find the person that you're called to be with. Um, You know, spend less. Don't spend time coming up with this checklist of who you want your dream girl or your dream guy to be. You know, that's that's a that's hopefully God surprises you and blows away your checklists beyond your wildest imaginations. That's the way I feel about it, right? Thank you. Um, yeah, no you're welcome. Um, you know, I think as as you as you become that person that that you know your spou- your future spouse will want to marry, um, you're you're growing in the ability to have a successful marriage and you're growing in the ability to actually give your spouse this gift, which is you're a whole person. Right? It's just an incredible gift to be able to give your spouse is wholeness. In fact, um, as you're as you're a single person thinking about getting marriage, you know, getting into marriage or, or dating, you know, that focus, that drive to be whole, to be connected to Jesus, is, is something that ultimately is going to serve you and give an incredible joy with, within your marriage later on. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, as someone who got married at the ripe old age of 20, I came into our marriage very whole, <laughs> <laughs> very mature. I knew all of these things and had mastered the test. Or so I thought, right? I was pretty sure that, that I was pretty whole at that time. But then something happens when you're done wedding planning and everyone leaves and the honeymoon's over and now you realize that you meant it when you said to death do us part in sickness or health, for better or for worse, that that's actually a really long time. Like that's the rest of your life. It is. And everybody's interested in single people. Everyone, I'm super interested in single people, getting them together. I wanna know how the dates are going. And then everyone wants to come to your wedding and maybe leave you a gift, maybe not just come for the free food. But nobody checks in that much on early marriage. And that's where the quiet realization that you have come to, and your life is actually about dying to, for somebody else. I'm stuck Sings with this in. person. I am stuck with this person for the
1: rest of my life.
0: And where how I began was, <laughs> I'm stuck with this person. I really love him sometimes, and really the opposite other times. But now I realize he has a whole lot of problems that I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life.
1: Like which times do you not love me? That's what I'm. Gonna...
0: This is ancient history. Okay, honey. exactly.
1: <laughs> it's in the past. It's all in the past. Okay. Good.
0: But what you realize is that it's actually really not about you. That suddenly the whole journey of, I want to get married, I want to find da-da-da and blah-blah-blah, and this is my wedding, and then you come to the marriage and you find out, what are you really made of? What are you really made of? I remember that for me, just on our personality and our personality types, that Daniel would get a little bit more flack, even still, you get a little bit more flack, because he's very external about the way he thinks about things and his expression, and, and everyone knows when he's thinking. I'm, or thinking.
1: I'm such a victim. <laughs> <know>. But
0: he's <laughs> <laughs> But I realized that if I was the person that I could withdraw. I could withhold my heart. I could withhold my opinion because I didn't want to have the conflict. And I remember one time early in our marriage, the Holy Spirit just knocking on the door of my heart. And it was a time when I was like, you know, this is just who he is. It's not going to change, and I'm not going to say anything because I don't feel like fighting, and it's never going to change. And I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me, do you want to have a good marriage or not? Because this is when you decide. Are you giving up on your marriage now, or are you going to fight for this? This was really early on in our marriage, and I realized that those are the quiet decisions of death to self, death to comfort, death to the thing that makes you want to preserve your ideas and your opinions about a situation, the, the practice of daily submitting and choosing one another, even though it can look messy, even there can be misunderstanding, but to say that you are somebody, even when I'm not feeling like it, that I'm choosing to continue to lay down my life for. Because outside, everybody is looking for a cause right? They're looking for something external to live for and to die for. They're looking for some sort of like political party or a movement or this and that. But Jesus came and he chose people to lay his life down for. And that is what he has called us as followers of him to do, that this is our highest calling is to say, I will choose to lay down my life for this person that I have in a committed covenant to till death to us
1: part. Yeah. So uh, one of the the things that we, as we were talking, uh, we wanted to kind of say like something catchy, like a catchy phrase yeah. that would, you know, really, really stick in your guys' head. So we're gonna, I'm going I'm about yeah. to give it you to can you in tweet just a second. This. It's tweetable. Yeah. you can post it. Yeah. Feel free. Hashtag. Um, marriage is a death march to life camp. <laughs> How do you guys feel about that? Boom! Um, I thought it was pretty good.
0: We stole it.
1: Yeah, we stole it. Somebody else actually came up with that. We're not that original. Um, in, in the you know in the lifelong pro- marriage process of two people becoming one, and we're becoming more refined in the image of Christ. You know, marriage is the most effective tool that God created to expedite our pro- this process, right? It's it's the you know it's the hammer that gets to chip away the 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 stone from a big block into a work of art. And you know the process to dying to yourself is really painful, but at the end the reward and the joy is great because you get a a happy marriage. You get to die to yourself and you get to have the joy of being with someone who's wonderful, right? Who also is doing that too. And when two people do that together and go on a journey you can have this great relationship that I think the goal and the purpose was to be like Creator God, and that we have a family, and that we create out of that, right? Create a life together. Um, And so we, we wanted to kind of think through, Okay, we talked about a checklist of wholeness when you're single, right? And I think that process continues when you're married. But we also wanted to think through, like, all right, what are some things, how does that change when, when you get married? Because you're now doing this with another person. You're not just, not, it's not just, hey, I, I'm, I'm being whole myself, right? It's you're, you're actually checking in with this other person and, and you're, you're living a life with them. And so um, we actually said, you know, there's probably some, some questions that, we want to be able to ask ourselves, so we're going to put these up here. Um, You know, how, sorry, how how are you at receiving correction from your spouse? How are you as an individual doing in the following areas of of wholeness that we already talked about? Um, But how are you at receiving correction from your spouse? Do you get defensive? Do you get insecure? Are you devastated because your, your spouse gave you some feedback? Um, that's probably not a great way to respond. And it doesn't allow connection on areas that, you know, need to be resolved. That your spouse is the person that loves you the most and is probably the best person to be able to tell you, hey, I see this in you and I still love you, but this is what you're doing. And if we can't do that for each other, then, you know, that's, that means we're not really having great relationship, and we need to be able to do that. Um, how are you at giving correction? It's not just the receiving, it's the giving. You know, do you, are you loving and humble? Do you carry past offenses into this correction you're giving today? Um, that's always a bad thing. Are you, are you overly critical or judgmental towards your spouse? Those are things that you got to work on in your delivery. I think this is a big thing for me um, is my intensity, my body language at times is not what is actually going on in the message that I'm trying to deliver. Men have this issue a lot, right? You, you're, you're, you're not you're not doing the, the nonverbal cues that tell your wife I love you while I am confronting you, right? You're not giving those those sort of nonverbal and women are nonverbal. Women pick that stuff up, and it just it can be devastating if you're not doing it right. If you're doing it with a sc- scowl on your face. understand what you're doing, right? When you're giving correction, when you're giving like a soft rebuke, understand that that's what, you know, more than just the words are being picked up. I have to to watch this with my kids um, every day, you know, it's like, because I'm getting a little bit frustrated at them, and I, I then, you know, say, stop doing that, and then you see how that reaction is on your, on your kid's face. It's just devastating to them sometimes. And they have to, to process through that, and they have to, you have to go back and say, hey, you know, daddy loves you just because I corrected you doesn't mean I don't love you, son. You know, that, that happens. I do that a lot. So it's something I think we have to be cognizant of in the way that we deliver correction. Um, I think the, the final thing here is, are you as an individual and as a couple, walking closer to Jesus than you were when you were single or has your life drifted further away from him it's a good question to ask ourselves you know are we are we still walking with the lord individually pursuing him as a couple pursuing him pursuing him in our marriage pursuing him with our kids you know every area of our life needs to be submitted to his lordship and I think when we do that and we we recommit to those values, we we allow the love of Jesus and the restoration of Jesus to bring wholeness in our life.
0: So how is it that we can read these things and we know them? Like most married people know, don't yell at each other, or, you know, no one's proud of like going into the bathroom and hyperventilating and crying and having panic attacks because your husband said that the house isn't very clean. I mean, that's happened, I've heard. (laughs) People have done that before. No one's proud of that, though. So when you do this checklist and you say, and and you reflect with humility and you wonder, Why are these repeated patterns continuing to emerge? These things I'm not proud of and I know better, but in my most base and defensive and offended moments, they keep coming up. And the reason why is because the world has a currency of fear and shame in relationships. That's how you get control. That's how you get power. So there's always this lingering fear of, I will be abandoned. Or um, this sort of deep rage or I am being controlled. And so that fear and that shame will cause these outbursts of anger or distress or defensiveness because in the end, it's this lack of trust. Let's put up John 15, 9. And we're going to talk about the way that Jesus has asked for us to operate. It says, As the Father has loved me, So I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The number one way to ruin your marriage is to make it your spouse's job to make you happy. If it's your spouse's job to make you happy, you are taking your tap root and you're attaching it to a person who was never intended to design to carry it. You are tapping them for the source, source of your joy, your happiness, your entertainment, your completion, all of your desires, your identity, your affirmations, whatever it may be.
1: Have y'all ever heard the expression, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy?
0: <laughs> that's called codependency. Well, that's, <laughs> that's called codependency.
1: Code you don't want that in your relationship, right? Don't, don't develop that type of dynamic in your relationship. Guess what? I can be happy if Jesse's not happy. right? I can still be happy, right? I can be joyful. Doesn't mean I'm not sensitive, and doesn't mean I don't care about her emotions, but I get to be joyful myself. Yep. And I don't have to tap into her joy, because the downside of that is if she's not joyful, then I'm not gonna be joyful, right? Well, that's no way to live. you know, let me be joyful and my joy be contagious to her. But I don't want to draw my source of joy from Jesse, And I don't, she doesn't need to do either. And you either. We need to that get that from Jesus.
0: You make me so angry. Well, no, you just chose to be you, you're angry. Getting, you're getting <laughs> angry. I'm, I'm
1: sorry. And so, Jesus is really
0: the one called to be our source of life, strength, and joy. And that's why we emphasize that wholeness and that connection with Him before marriage. Because if that's a muscle that you're already getting strong in, when you transition into marriage, that will be tested. And it will be tested over and over and over again. And then it will Mm -hmm. be tested when you have children. But Mm -hmm. to be able to say, right now, your words have an opportunity to wound me, even if you don't intend to, but I know that Jesus says that I am beloved. Mm -hmm. My security rests in him. And of course, I mean, that sounds ideal. And a lot of times when you're really upset, that's the last thing you're thinking of. You might just be thinking of throwing a pot in a pan at somebody. (laughs) But...
1: It never happened. When in our you marriage. can grow. A chili did happen one time, but not a pot in a pan. Just one I think want to they heard that
0: story. We don't need to tell that. That was that actually again.
1: when we were dating, though, so it, we weren't really married at the time. We were still working through our wholeness issues. So, you want to go
0: with that one? Yeah.
1: So, uh, just we're trying to wrap this up here. Whole people make whole marriages. And Whole marriages make whole families. You know, children are meant to be a continuation of the healthy and wholeness, you know, which led, of, of your singleness, which led to a, a healthy wholeness in your marriage. And ultimately, that's designed to create healthy and whole and thriving children. And, um, and out of that place of wholeness, we get to be a family that thrives, right? And our children get to grow up in that environment. And that environment is a place where they feel safe, they feel loved, and they learn how to walk with Jesus because we're walking with Jesus.
0: It's just like Stephen Brenda last week said, you will leave a legacy. No matter what your opinion is on it, you will leave one no matter what. And the truth is there is no greater legacy, there is no greater gift than a child to be able to grow up in a household of two abiding parents. Because when you are abiding to the source of Jesus, then the fruit and the shade that you produce with your life is the thing that your children can now rest under. And what a beautiful gift to grow up in the space where these things aren't something you have to read about in a book and hope that one day will be actualized in your life, but you can grow up and you can see parents Who know how to worship. You can see parents who are dedicated to the person of Jesus. You can see parents who know how to serve, that that's the place of discipleship that your children can have the safety and beauty of of rising up in. Yeah,
1: Jesse came up with this pretty cool word picture. Can we get the… there we go. Do you want to describe this?
0: Sure. So, Jesus is the Son, and you're called in your singleness and in the context of your marriage and for the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus to fix your orbit around him. So your whole life, no matter what you're calling, your personality, your temperament, what life throws at you, you are called to be centered around the person of Jesus for the continuation of your life. Well, then you get to merge with another planet, Mercury, <laughs> Mars. Yeah. You choose your own, but in your marriage you continue on that orbit and that path. When you have children, it's like the moon. That moon circulates around you. Little children, we are the representative of God to your children. We are the universe that they are circling around. But when a parent has, when parents have chosen to keep their orbit around the person of Jesus then your child also gets to orbit around the person of Jesus. They do not know another path. And though they are circulating around you, Mm -hmm. and you are the one who is discipling and raising them, you are taking them on this path so that hopefully when they are old enough to go out on their own and become their own little 18-year-old planet, there isn't a path that feels as familiar to them as the one of being a centered on the person of Jesus. Don't get too literal here
1: with all the engineers, you know. Uh, uh, you know yeah. Moons don't become planets. I know that, okay? <laughs> At some point, they the know? moon is going to have to become a planet orbiting the sun in its own orbit. It's
0: poetic. But
1: that's for the people talking about teenagers. We're, we're early marriage here, so. <laughs> right now, that moon is our kids, right? They, they're centered and fixated around us, and our marriage is the earth, and they learn that track. They learn the, the orbit that we're on around the sun. I think it's just a, it's a perfect example. Our kids, you know, their connectedness to Jesus is, is going to be completely linked to our connectedness to Well, and the interesting
0: thing is, is that there's this permission in society that once you have kids, that your orbit actually becomes around your child or yeah. your children. And that isn't biblical. And right. that isn't building on the basis of what we're talking about tonight or today that wholeness is about your fixation on the person of Jesus. You meet the other person that you're called to marry and to be with, and then you two can go even further, deeper, further in the calling that God has on your lives together. But then mm-hmm. when you have a child that they can go on that journey with you is the sweetest gift you can give them.
1: Yeah, I think we're I mean I, I don't hope this isn't too controversial for anybody. I don't think it is, but this is something we've we've always believed is that you should prioritize your marriage over your children. You should. And the reason why is that's that's how they're going to thrive, right? Your marriage, and ultimately, you prioritize your relationship with Jesus first. That's, that's, I think, what we've been saying. But then next to that, your marriage needs to take priority over your kids. And, you know, we can be codependent with our children, too. I mean, people can get unmet, unfulfilled needs that they're not getting from Jesus met in all kinds of, you know, illegal places, including your kids, including your spouse. That's called codependency that's not healthy. We have to have that relationship with Jesus and get filled up from Him, and then two whole people get to have a great marriage. And then our three kids, your kids, are going to thrive in that environment. And that's kind of what we're saying, is prioritize your marriage over your kids. And the mission that you're on together with God is what should allow your kids to walk in, that, um, in the footsteps of that legacy that, that we talked about last week.
0: So I hope that no matter what the season that you're in, that if anything else we could leave with you all, it's that you would feel a hope stirring in your heart, a hope for the passion and the that Jesus has for your life and for your calling, that He has good plans for you, that you are called to be more than a conqueror, whether you're presently in singlehood or in marriage or whatever area of life that you're in, our prayer and hope would be that you feel encouraged and Mm -hmm. excited that He wants to utilize you and He wants to utilize you through the connection to others and, and family. Yep. To, un- like, to reveal His kingdom further on this earth. Amen?
1: Yeah. So we're just gonna, I'm just going to pray, and worship team can come up. Why don't you all stand up? If you felt like any of this message resonated with you, and you're at this place, where whether you're single, you're in early marriage, or you know, maybe God's called you to be a, an auntie or an uncle to a marriage in a family. Um, you know, with the, if the life group leaders and, and folks on the prayer team could come up. Um, we just love you guys to come up for prayer, and I'm going to lead us out in prayer, and then the worship team can take us out. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that you put the lonely in families, Lord. And Lord, you, you created everything in a family. In fact, you, you, you put us in your family. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to be healthy, whole family members. Husbands and wives. Members of a family who know how to love one another and know how to be on mission with you. And Lord, I pray that every person in this room who's, who's not had healthy family or an example of healthy family. Or we know that you get to wipe that slate clean. Lord, I pray that, that you touch people's heart and that you give them a vision for what it means to have a healthy family, to have a joyful family, one where kids can thrive and one where the marriage can thrive. And that we that that they can be on mission with.